Hey guys, this is another episode of Product Innovation Podcast that we are doing. And why we talk about product innovation is because uh, we talk a lot about uh, product with product leaders uh, at large enterprise companies uh, that push new technology and ideas that happen to result in new cool products. And today's episode is a little bit different because all we're going to talk about primarily is user onboarding because we have Ramley John with us, who is a product growth marketer with over 10 years of experience. He started, believe it or not, as a full stack developer and data analyst, and now he helps product-led companies convert more free trial users into lifelong customers. And he actually just finished writing a book called Eureka, which we will ask him about. Ramley, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Sergey. I'm super excited to chat with you here about onboarding and product innovation. Super cool. How was, you just wrapped up the book. How was the whole experience? It was tough. <laughs> I, I part of this book uh, club or book uh, community for nonfiction authors. And yeah, it, it, it's an emotional journey. People don't realize this. There's moments where you're smacking my head on the table. It's like, why did I get myself into this, man? <laughs> uh, just, just stopped out. But I, I just, I think everything coming together uh, is, is critical. Great support from West Bush. Um, the CEO of ProductLed from from my family, so yeah, I I highly encourage people. I think it's it's a great learning process and gets you organized on what your thoughts are around a particular topic. And I've read the outline. We'll we'll talk a little bit about it uh, in this interview. It looks amazing, like especially for anybody who's trying to design a, like a user onboarding journey online uh, with with the framework that you have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's the plan, and we we work with companies like Mixpanel. OutSystems, Snapper, uh, yeah, just to to really help them uh, organize their onboarding. We've worked with hundreds of companies, and you know, this is a way for us to really help with this. I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is just lead gen randomly, right? But no, I mean, a lot of the resources there is not gated. Like, you can just go to the link. Like, we're we're preaching product led here, which is like freemium free. Like, you don't have to give us your email to download any of the worksheet links that I have on that. You need to just scale the way that I help people. Uh, that's my message here is how can I help more product folks um, uh, really bring innovation and really bring the, their their change to, to the world that they have envisioned. And I've seen you guys are giving away like one of the first chapters or one of the big chunks of the book for free. And I think without even email sign up. So we'll link it actually in show notes. Sure. Uh, so like it's, it's actually, I think it's a great way because a lot of people are selling the book. Oh, just go buy it. It's only 30 bucks. You went a lot further than that like hey read it you like it and get get the whole thing sure i mean that's the model we've been thinking a lot about um i know some people some authors have published a whole book on the website for free but if they wanted to read it off offline then they have to buy it i mean that's an option it's totally once again product led means give, how do you show value before anybody has to pay anything and you want to eat our own dog food <laughs> with this Right. Uh, <clears throat> I want to speak a little bit about myths and then we'll dive into Eureka framework, which I think is going to be really cool to break down. Now, we spoke with you a little bit before and some of the things you've mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, is um, onboarding starts with user signups. And that's not always the case uh, because that's what I would think somebody who doesn't really know much about onboarding. What do you what do you say about that? Yeah, I think that's a huge myth that onboarding starts when somebody signs up for your product. And the, the reason why I say it doesn't is because think about the journey that somebody has before they sign up. And everything that happens before they sign up frames and sets the expectation 
for what happens after they sign up. Let me give you an example. Imagine you come to the site and everywhere you read that it's a video hosting tool and then you sign up for it and you get to it and it's actually a project management tool. How, how likely are you going to be successful to figure out the product tours and tool tips to onboard that person who is super confused? I thought I signed up for a video editing tool when in fact it's a, vi a product management tool. And the, the point I have here is that if you start thinking about onboarding that starting from the very touch point with your brand, then you start thinking, hey, we should be really looping in marketing and acquisition and the product marketing folks with, with the positioning because they have a lot to do with helping customers really succeed with onboarding to a particular product. So my challenge is often with the, 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 pirate, met, the pirate metric framework where it's acquisition, activation, uh, retention, uh, revenue, then referral. People think, well, onboarding is obviously activation. Like that's where onboarding lives. My challenge here is that it actually starts very from the top with acquisition. Because if you're positioning and your messaging and your ads are saying something completely different after they sign up, then you are you are not going to be successfully successful in onboarding users because that expectation will be ruined and that trust will be broken. So I think that's the first myth that I say. Hey, onboarding uh, officially uh, might start in the sign up, but unofficially, actually looking at the customer journey should start from the beginning because you're start you're starting to seed that value that that you're starting to put that seed of mm -hmm. value. You're kind of setting the expectation right from the beginning, getting them super excited about the product even before they sign up. Like if if they're they're if they're excited before they even sign up. You're you're gonna have an easier job than it is somebody is like, oh man, I hate being here. You're dragging me to sign up. Come on, man. Like imagine going to a party and you're being dragged right. there. You're not gonna stick around if if you get them excited about it leading up like that. Uh, your whole team, then then you will it will be a lot easier uh, to onboard new users for sure. <clears throat> so get in like product marketers involved. Uh, get in sure. the copyright on the website. All of these things. And that's one of my gripes is often for product companies who owns onboarding, usually it's product and usually product does it, owns it, they write the copy, everything, and, and they don't loop in marketers. I know Sergey, you're, 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 you're from this world and how, like, there's been a few <laughs> times in my experience where product comes to me and say, Hey, uh, we should have looped you in. Can you, can you like look at our copy? Like you're asking me now you've already designed everything. My, my, that, and that's exactly what uh, we're leading to it. The very first step in the Eureka framework is make sure to establish an onboarding team. Uh, and I guess I'm leading up to it already, but my point onboarding team who is working to improve the onboarding can't just be the product team. It can't just be the marketing team. It needs to be a cross-functional team because uh, it's really is an intersection where sales, customer success, marketing, design, product all meet together. And if you fail here, you're not going to be very likely in, in helping them succeed further down the road with the retention revenue and referral part of the funnel. It's, it's so surprising to me because uh, marketers are the ones who know how to write the copy. They are the mm. ones who really understand the customer journey. Why yeah. the hell they're like, they're like backwards, <laughs> like they're not on, on the train. Yeah, it's just, it's just super surprising. I think the, the struggle is that you know, product is doing their thing and it becomes, it happens when companies become siloed where like marketers, marketing team, you guys are doing ads. You guys are doing website, uh, the top, like, uh, um, top of the funnel website. 
you're doing email campaigns, everything else uh, is somebody else is doing. And there's disconnect in the customer journey where the baton, if you're looking at as an analogy with a relay, the b baton's not getting passed off very well in the customer journey. And people are falling through the gap for sure if, if they're not working together. Now, the second one, uh, and this is a big one, I think, um, and the, the whole user onboarding experience ends when user pays. And it sort of makes sense, uh, but there's so much more than that. Yeah, I think for this particular one, this is also something that I've been thinking about is people think that when somebody pays, it's done. And uh, I heard this story from the CEO of AppQs. He, he, he was interviewed by First Round or OpenView. And this is what he said, like at that point with AppQs, this is a few years ago, they had a 14-day trial. AppQs, by the way, is this uh, product engagement tool where you can design onboarding uh, uh, onboarding um, product tours and tool tips and different things. At that point, they had a 14-day trial. And after the 14 days, people have to pay or, or they get kicked out. What he found was that a lot of their users would pay the first invoice not to, to pay for it, but to, to extend their free trial. So they're extending their free trial for one more month. And then after that month, he found a lot of people churned and left because it's essentially them, uh, essentially them extending their trial. So my challenge here is that just because somebody pays you doesn't mean that they've seen the value of your product as well as they've realized it and adopted it into their life. Maybe it's low enough that they're actually just extending their, their free trial. So I think that's a very common myth is be, when they become paying users, you've successfully onboarded them. No, look at your data. Are you seeing a lot of people churn after the first or second invoice? If that's the case, then you, you might be missing the gap there and people are just extending their free trial because it's such a low price point for your product. That's a great insight. And what do you do? I mean, there's so many things, but what about some of the maybe the top two things you need to do to make sure that that they don't drop off or that at least you have that in your onboarding or not? Like so they so the people stick around. Yeah, I mean, the name of the game here really is time. There's a concept called time to value where the you want to drive people to realize the value of the product or achieve the, the reason why they signed up in their first place as quickly as possible so that they can experience it, but as well as they can try it more over and over again. And for example, with, with Calendly, the, it, it's, a, mm. it's a tool to help people book meetings. I mean, the first, the first, you want to drive people to book a meeting, <laughs> whether it's a salesperson or not. I mean, the question now is, how quickly can you get people there? Is it one hour? Is it one week? Is it one minute? And once you have figured out what, what success looks like for the users, whether that's booking a meeting with prospects or booking meetings with students, now you start thinking about how do you pull in different tools, like uh, different tactics, like welcome messages or uh, whether that's product tours or things like that to drive people to that value point uh, as quickly as possible. So, I mean, on a very high level, that's that's what mm -hmm. I would suggest for people to get more people to not leave, but actually to experience the product as quickly as possible is to figure out, first of all, what is success look like for users. Second, what is the minimum number of steps to get them there? And third is start thinking about adding uh, product things like that because often when people think about onboarding they're like oh let's just add in product tours like when you say product onboarding to somebody first thing they think about is product tours and onboarding emails and, <laughs> and it just drives me mad like think right. about think about the strategy behind it 
what is it the users want, regardless of your product? What is and going to the job suite and framework? What is the customer job that users are hiring your product for? Second, how, how, what is the minimum number of steps and things they need to learn to get there? And then third is to actually add on the stuff that you just thought about first, and that's actually the last step to to pull everything in together. Yeah, like people sign up for a calendar, they don't want a bunch of emails. They want, no. they probably want the the link. They want to connect their calendar and uh, you know just get get that value uh, out, out of the door. And then you know, like you said, like how experience it a few more times, and then at some point. Uh, and this is, I think, an interesting decision for for a customer for for from a product perspective. At what point do you move from free to pro to paid? Right, mm. they move to paid when you connect two calendars, which makes sense. But this is a, a like a really delicate moment where you need to identify, right? For sure. I mean, figuring out that that moment when they tip over, or, or you know, like dominoes when when somebody tips over to like realize, yeah, I need to pay for this. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like you have to figure out. It, definitely a delicate moment. It's something that you have to experiment. Is it the usage? Is it like limiting the number of calendars they need to connect? Is it limiting the number of meetings that they need to connect? Uh, is it, 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 it maybe it's add-ons? Maybe they want to add on Salesforce or or HubSpot or thing like that. It really depends on the audience. What I would suggest though is to make sure you don't limit limit it too much that it scares people away. And let me give you an example with a tool that I just started using called mm -hmm. Melodics. I'm not, I'm trying to get back to playing keyboard. It's teaching me how to play keyboard, and man. I can only play five minutes of lesson a day, and it really, really made me upset. Like five minutes a day. I know they're trying to convert me, but for mm -hmm. me, like that, just it just feels wrong. Like you're, I want to learn. Just let me learn. A, just let, just let me learn a song instead of five minutes. Like maybe I'm a beginner. Five minutes is nothing. So I mean, like that's such a turnoff, and 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 uh, I mean, like that's bad, bad experience. I'm, I didn't, I didn't continue with that just because I was upset. And like upset customers tell other people that they're upset, and that's that's not necessarily what you want there. Oh, it's so true. Like I just remember so many products that I've deleted almost instantly when they have like this, like in the oh. in your face, like this this limitation. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like the best products that um, that 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 we use, like Buffer, for example, or a bunch of others, they they are they deliver a lot of value uh, right. for an extended period of time. But like like you said like repetition like you need to like give people a little bit of gas like don't just like put them on i don't know like one cylinder engine <laughs> i love that analogy you're right like you're you're limiting them too much that they scare away there's somebody from OpenView. OpenView actually term coined the term uh product like growth kyle poyer is there like the incredibly smart person that talks about pricing and freemium he said a lot of products what do you find from experience working with a bunch of product like companies? They should offer more free stuff. Like they should open up their free stuff more because like that creates that trust and that bond. And I know there's obviously like the cost of support and the cost of servers, but at the end of the day, they found that more most of the companies that they've invested in and work with, when they open it up, they're free more in their, in their experience. They've seen a rise in MRR rather than a decrease just because of the support costs and server costs. So it's definitely like a cost benefit analysis that you have to do. But from to Kyle's point, like maybe opening opening up your free a little bit more so people like trust it and refer it. That's where the viral effect comes in is when they trust it, love it, refer it as a free user is when where the, really the magic happens.
Yeah, totally. I think uh, like I, I've used, I've been using LastPass for a long time. Great tool. Oh, yeah. Um, Camille actually recommended it to me years ago. But then they went super aggressively into uh, they 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 took all the features away and like you can only use it on one device. And I went on app on Apple Store on App Store and I saw these comments. People are like, "Oh my god, this is junk! Like I, I'm not using it anymore." I'm like, "Because you went from a completely free model that you worked beautifully on all devices to a model that is a, a com like unusable by design." Right, and I feel like it's just a form of laziness. Like, sure, I, I understand you're they're they're doing it to to grow their business, to make more money, to grow their MRR, their monthly recurring revenue. But to limit it like that is an easy win in the short term. But in the long term, it like to your point, alienates a ton of people that they speak badly about it. And and there's such thing as positive referral, but there's also a negative referral loop where people are talking badly about you and can really crush and depress mm. your your company's growth just because of that totally bad experience. So yeah, I'm totally with you there. You mentioned aha moment, and I don't quite remember what was your myth around aha moment. What was what, what were you saying when we were doing uh, the chat before the other day? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, uh, the aha moment is also, I, I don't mention uh, aha moment in the book except the first chapter and the reason why is when you think about onboarding first thing people think about is it's the aha moment you know when the clouds open up and the users realize magically that this is the moment that they realize the value and now they're they've been won and my point with that what was that the challenge here is that if we're thinking about like driving people to that one aha moment and all too often we dismiss the fact that moments in aha moment is truly more of an aha moments when it comes to the customer journey. Like think about, let's, we're, we're talking about Calendly a lot, but even before you sign up for Calendly, imagine the first aha moment. It happened before you signed up. It's the first time somebody sent you a link and then you booked right. it. And I'm right. like, oh my goodness, what am I doing with my life? I'm, I'm a podcast host and I'm coordinating by email. I haven't yes. even signed up yet, right? So the first aha moment happened after I signed up. The second aha moment was the first time I tried it. Okay, fine. Oh, does it, is it really that easy? You sign up, you try it out. I send it to Sergey. He books. It's like, oh my goodness, this is this is amazing. This is truly that's a second aha moment. And then finally, when you use it a few more times, you realize I can get paid with Calendly. Like you can actually accept payments. That's a third aha moment. My point here is, it's not a, a one aha moment. It's actually a good customer journeys drive people. To multiple aha moments and I, I i know i might be like uh fighting here with semantics with words but i really believe that words matter and it really more aha moments for me in the book what mm. we've called what i've called the that first value the first time they experienced the the product's value uh, you know uh, actually sending out the calendar link and, and booking a meeting with with a podcast guest or a prospect or a student is i call that the first strike and uh, what i mean by first strike is uh, Wes Bush in his book Product Like Growth that came out two and a half years ago, he mm -hmm. he 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 compared onboarding to bowling, and with bowling, the strike is when you hit all ten pins. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's I, I call it the first strike or the first moment of value experience is also what I call it. So that is is more clear that I'm not talking about the aha moment. I'm talking about this specific aha moment from the series of moments that they've experienced the first value. So, I mean, that's, that's the myth that I, that I'm 
ranting on about is it's not that one it's a series and the one that you're talking about is the moment they experience the value so profound and it doesn't and it doesn't have to be necessarily let's say your first aha moment your first strike doesn't have to be the, the biggest right mm. it, it doesn't have to be or do you want it to be like something that is like really impressive like like 10x outside of other things you try to do or no, maybe not i think if it's 10x it's risky you know like you want it to be gradual you want it like you want it to be like it's a journey like yeah you, I, ha I have this saying that anytime a, a user is, is shocked or scared or, or confused or lost, uh, when they, they get 10x uh, shock, <laughs> it could be a moment of, of <laughs> it could be, a moment, oh my goodness, like it's, it's like driving, right? Imagine I can 10x your experience by changing lanes without signaling, but that's not going to be a great experience. You want to prepare people for that expectation. You want to lead them and, and uh, guide them to, to that moment. So I think you're right. You're on the spot there. You don't want it to be a big surprise. You want it. You want it to 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 guide them through through that experience and kind of start seeing the value slowly instead of like boom. Oh, I got it now. You don't want to go to played played mode. One point nine seconds just yet. <laughs> of course not, right? Like they'll they'll be shocked. There'll be some people who would be scared or people who would be unexpected. Like you want to set expectation. Like unexpected things are often a bad thing for uh, for. Uh, user um, in general, like there's obviously moments of delights, but like that that's what my rule of thumb is like if 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 a user is surprised and that they didn't expect something to happen, that's usually not a good sign <laughs> that they're mm -hmm. that they got shocked. I want to talk about uh, the biggest thing, of course, uh, is Eureka framework. Um, I think it's six, six steps. Um, I'm sure there's a ton more that goes into it. Well, what is the framework? Um, maybe you could go through the steps and just give us a bit of an overview of um, how it works, how people need to think about it. Yeah, this Eureka framework is a six step process that we use to help companies improve the onboarding. I've already talked about the first one that a lot of people don't think about is establishing an onboarding team. You really does, I, I, say, I say this often that Improving onboarding is not a solo mission. It's actually a team sport. Like there is, marketing has something to add. Customer success has a lot of user research insights. Sales has something to add. If you have a sales team, product obviously has something to add in operations. So once you've established this cross-functional team, you the second step is understand success for users. We've already started talking about this already. What does success look like for users? Because if you don't know what that is, you might be guiding people to the wrong wrong thing in your product and knowing what end success looks like first is very critical once you figure that out the, the third thing is to refine your onboarding success milestone and that that goes back to hey what is what is that first strike and the other thing that i that i mentioned is around uh this concept called product adoption adoption indicator which we can talk about later like that is like when they've they've it's a signal that somebody has formed a habit with your product and they've started, they're, they're more likely to continue using it forward. So that's the third step. The, mm -hmm. the fourth step is to, uh, EURA is to make sure that you analyze your onboarding path and kind of refine it. So evaluate, make sure to evaluate it along the way. Like that's, that's what I talked about earlier about the, the counting the number of steps from signing up or from experiencing your product, uh, from from seeing your product for the first time to actually signing up and experiencing it, how how many steps does it take right now, and which ones are stuff that you can 
remove. It's actually a really critical step uh, in removing as many fields and, and, and forms or pages or anything that any friction point that you have on your on your experience. And then the fifth one is to keep users engaged inside. So that, that comes with, we've been talking about, this is where product tours come in now. Everybody gets excited. <laughs> oh, let's talk about product tours first. This is actually near the end. Now, now you've done all the heavy strategy work. Now you're thinking about how do I add product tours? How do I add onboarding emails? How do I add in-app messages? And the very last thing that I, that I advise, uh, the Eureka, uh, is A. So that's actually apply the changes and repeat. Very critical. Some companies that, that we work with, what they do is they do a three-month waterfall project management to improve mm -hmm. the onboarding. And I'm like, dude, this is not how this works. Do one, one to two-week sprints because that will get you um, the results faster. The because data, even, right? Yeah, for sure with data, because even I don't know exactly what your user's end goal is. This is all about repetition and cycle and going through that whole thing. So, I mean, that that's just a six step. I mean, each of the step at, uh, starts with, it's an acronym. So it, each one sp spells Eureka. So it's, that's why we call it the Eureka framework. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool uh, model. And I remember um, you spoke about shaving off the steps to improve the, um, I think you said like we removed an email sign up or an email field and then you had a in massive boost in terms of how many people signed up. Yeah, that's one, one of the of, one of your example one of examples. Yeah, one of the companies that we work with Snapball and this goes back to uh, the the fourth step which is uh analyze and and evaluate your your onboarding flow is really like for that company that we worked with, we mapped it all out. And one of the things that we found a huge gap in terms of people dropping off is when they sign up for this tool, Snappa is this online graphics tool, very similar to Canva, where you design mm -hmm. stuff. It's like when, when people sign up for this, they, they, they would have to go back to the email and then they have to click on confirm. I'm sure for the listeners of Sergey as well, you might have seen this. You sign up for something. Oh, please go to your email inbox right now to confirm, right? As I see you're shaking your head for people who oh are tuning, tuning in, right? It's super annoying. But here's here's what happened here because for a lot of people who are online, we're going to use an online graphics tool. Think about the use case. You're a business owner who needs to create a flyer right now. You might be a marketer who's trying to design a Facebook ad a design right now. You might be a teacher who's trying to design a slide to 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 teach tomorrow for your students right now. So there's this sense of urgency when you're trying to design something. And for us, it's like, dude, you gotta take this out. We took it out, this this one step. And what we saw was just dramatic. We, it was like in six months, we saw a 20% boost in their MRR. We, we like 39% of their users were getting to uh, the, the, the products value now uh, uh, a lot quicker. So I mean, for their case, and it could be different, uh, for different products is that just removing this one step in that flow really catapulted their their conversion as well as their mr ju just by one simple change and i guess the lesson here is for people who are tuning in your product what is that blocker it could be one thing that you have right now it could be it could be a phone number it could be that annoying product tour that is really blocking people what is the the bottleneck in your onboarding and as, as soon as you try to once you figure that out you might see uh, the same kind of result with this just because people are getting annoyed and they're dropping out. And the flip side of that is also that you get to experience the value better. For sure. Yeah, you, you, you get don't get to that. You don't get to that part if you don't do that. 
Yeah, and it just yeah, you just you don't get to it. They you get annoyed, you get upset, and it goes back to a, a negative referral loop, like what we talked about. Like, oh my goodness, uh, I have to do this again. Come on, and then they have to go to Gmail, they have to go to Hotmail, they might have to go to the mail app. Like it's just it's just such a friction. I understand why they why they were doing it. They they were trying to avoid uh, spam, but there's other mm. technology wise like recaptcha or. Uh, some other tools that Google or other companies have used that you don't have to make it hard for users uh, at the get-go to figure it out. I know this might be a little bit of a not quite the same analogy or example, but um, I'm a terrible Photoshop user. I have like a super basic understanding and I was trying to cut out the background, pretty common use for one picture. And Photoshop just didn't do it, didn't know how to do it manually. Went online for all online removal, background removal tools. Uh, all of them are either terrible or some of them you have to sign up to do one free pool. So I signed up for one tool and it did a phenomenal job. Like I was blown away. I just needed that image real bad, but I was like, I just needed it super bad. So I signed up. It took me a long time. You need to sign up and then get the email, do, do all of that stuff. But I was like, wow, you guys are missing opportunity because everybody mm. else is crap because I tried them all. Like right. you are doing a phenomenal job and you're not allowing people to experience one hit. Mm. I love that. I mean, this is an analogy, another analogy I can think of. It's like you throw a, your, your, your product team is throwing a big party in your backyard, right? And sales have thrown in money in SEO and ads. And uh, I, I mean, marketing has thrown in ads and, and SEO effort. And customer success ready at, the, at the, the foyer to invite people. And nobody can open the door. Like literally nobody can open the door. There's a huge party in the backyard and they can't get through. It's just because your door is closed and it's bolted in, double locked. And it's hammered in. And people are like, we want to get to the party. But we can't. And like I said, all the resources you have there, marketing, printing out flyers for this party, and customer success, <laughs> right. ready to welcome those people, at the party goers, and the product team who has, has bouncy castle in the backyard ready to go. Man, you've, onboarding is such a critical part in, in, in companies growing. This is just a simple analogy I thought of uh, in the book that, hey, man, this 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 is what's happening if you don't really think about uh, how you're onboarding users and preparing the way for them to get through to the party in the back here. Is this, uh, Ramli, I'm going to ask you, is this an example that I've just gave? Is this an example of a bad activation or something else? Like, how would you characterize it in, in your technical term? Bad, it's just bad. Bad activation, bad acquisition. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't make sense. Like, imagine it logically doesn't right. make sense, right? You have the party, you you print out the flyers, and your your door is nailed through. I mean, I think it's just a, a common problem. And I think you're what you're driving to is why? Why would somebody do this? Why would somebody yeah, double I'm, lock I'm the door? I'm just surprised. I'm just surprised because the, they have a great product, like phenomenal product. Right. I think the problem, and this is out as well, is that people often um, just. Working with companies, we've saw, we've seen several problems that this this results in this. One of them is who owns onboarding. So like if nobody if nobody owns it, no mm, like some, right. uh, nobody is not going to get it worked on. And often the second problem we see is product owns it, but they don't talk to anybody at all. So you got the product team in the backyard fixing up the party, got the booze, got the the bouncy castle, but they haven't looped in sales, marketing, and customer success to make sure that the customer journey 
is uh, fully aligned. I mean, that's the second one that we often see. And I think the third one is that when I think when everybody is trying to uh, trying to fix up the the onboarding, like it, it really needs to you need to really have a team that's focused on onboarding. In, in my experience, because like on like we can talk about it a little bit more, but like onboarding is super super critical into in terms of uh, success of uh, especially software products their success mm -hmm. in terms of products because like um, going into that uh, profitwell has done studies where if people who have completed onboarding they're more likely to stick around retention rates are higher for people who have completed the onboarding revenue or revenue um, likely likelihood to uh, mm -hmm. to to convert is also a lot higher so the, the customer lifetime value is higher their retention is higher their revenue is higher, their referral is higher. Really, like if you get onboarding right and get more people like fully to experience the product, then it like is setting up the success for your whole product. It's uh, it kind of reminds me when we spoke the last time. You said uh, I asked you, is this all about like product-led growth? Like, is it like all about product? And yeah, I remember you said no. It's just it's sales, it's marketing, it's all of it. Like, it's not just the product. You can have the best product, you can't get through the door. That's true. That's one hundred percent true. I mean, it needs to be. I keep I keep I keep saying this over and over again. And if there's a, a product people who are listening in, please please talk to talk to your marketers. <laughs> and you know, Sergey and I we both come from the marketing side, and I've kind of crossed over to the product education side. Please, I think that that's where really the magic happens is when this collaboration and more of like seeing the whole customer journey, like the bigger picture holistically. And seeing where are we dropping the baton here? Where are we? Where are we? Like, it, that's yeah. Is there a door locked in our party? Is there a door that's been like nailed shut? And you only see that when together you you kind of analyze the journey from the front of the yard <laughs> to to the front of the door to the foyer to the kitchen to the back door to the backyard party, right? Like that whole flow of uh, of users and experience is really when. You analyze it together with everybody is is when things can really start going and getting exciting. Product people, so please talk to us. We have the keys. <laughs> like, I like it. We all have the keys. I mean, to, to, to that point, I mean, somebody needs to own it, and it really depends on like somebody needs to on on, on onboarding and. Uh, for product like companies, uh, it it could be product. That's uh, like drift. Uh, for Facebook, the one that owns onboarding is gr the growth team. Uh, right. For another company that that we've talked to, uh, Sprout Social, marketing actually owns their onboarding. So like because mm -hmm. they're they're the one closer to the thing. Uh, for Jungle Scout, the one that owns onboarding, the, another company we we we've talked to is customer success. So like mm -hmm. look, it really depends on your company. Just somebody needs to own it, and they need to pull everybody in. Literally like, and, and it doesn't matter which company. It doesn't matter. Like for me, who owns onboarding typically is the one that's closest to the customer, the customer data. So for Jungle Scout, customer success because they were uh, normally a, a sales-led hybrid uh, approach. For Facebook, is obviously the growth team because they have the most data. Drift, it's the product team because they're a very product-focused company. Ramley, on this note, your craziest onboarding story, something that maybe over over time you've been like blown away by it. In, in a oh. good way or or maybe in a bad way like depending on which angle you want to take the one maybe the most entertaining but it's your call yeah i mean entertaining or one of my favorite i'm going to share with you my favorite sure. experience and they're also a toronto canadian company 
Uh, and it's it's not because of that, and it's not because I've talked to the director of growth as well. <laughs> it's just because they're doing a lot of best practices together. It's Wave HQ. They do an invoicing tool for entrepreneurs. Few things that I really love. Like first of all, you sign up, uh, and the first question they ask you as soon as you sign up is, "What do you want to do today uh, with Wave?" And the first option is, uh, "Do you want to send an invoice?" A second is, "Do you want to run your payroll?" <laughs> Third is, do you want to get paid, right? And the fourth is, uh, really not sure. I mean, once you select one, and I literally did this, all four options, you get a different product tour. You get a different email. Like they've they've segmented and personalized the onboarding experience based on that one cho uh, choice. And I, wow. I talked to Vivek from uh, Director of Pro Growth, and I was like, I'm sorry, I signed up four times fake. Like you have four fake users from roundlyjohn.com and it's because I was checking it out and I was like literally just blown away that they've like they've customized each of those experiences and now you can they can really speak to you. If you're sending invoices, you have a different problem than somebody who's trying to run apparel versus somebody who's trying to get paid. That's the first thing that they did really well. The second is when you're signing up, they kept adding social proof. And what I mean by that often as 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 when there's the disconnect, you have social proof only on the front of the site, the website, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, here's some social proof about us. But as you're signing up, it, they're trying to remind you, hey, with Wave, you're about to get paid three times faster. We have over 10 billion invoices set with Wave. And you're reading this sub, sub copy there. And I'm like, yes, like it's, they're still getting you pumped up during the sign up. I mean, adding social proof during the sign up is often an overlooked thing because people are not fully bought in yet. And that's the second thing. The third thing that they did really well is as you're signing up, they're onboarding you for the invoice one, is they ask you for a logo. And people will be like, Ramley, this is such a waste. This is friction. Why would somebody ask them? Why would they, why would they ask you to add the logo at the front? And what happens when you upload your logo is they figure out your, your logo's brand color. For example, a product that's yellow. And then to the right of it, they show to you what your invoice could look like and it's just mm. beautiful like compared to an excel or a google doc or a word word document uh, uh, uh invoice that a lot of people said they're like dang this is good and vivek i talked to vivek about this and during the customer interviews their users were saying wow this is what wave looks like i i can like this gives me a lot of trust that you guys actually put thought into this and it looks professional and i'm not going to be embarrassed with my clients and that really goes to the point where like they're delighting now people even before they set their in first invoice they're getting them excited so i think they're just doing a lot of really good stuff from the get-go and like i said it's not because they're canadian it's not because they're based in toronto it's because they're really doing some cool stuff and uh shout out to vivek director of growth there as well as the whole uh team there at, at wave there you guys are doing some pretty pretty awesome stuff when it comes to user onboarding we're going to make a clip out of it and link them uh, on LinkedIn. I'll tag them and like, hey, you guys are doing awesome. This is, uh, uh, this is not, this is a uh, product like growth said. Yeah, for sure. I am a big, <laughs> big fan of what they're doing. Uh, uh, and like all the, their team, they're so smart. The content, uh, content uh, strategists uh, and they're, they're head of uh, demand gen, Sarah and yeah, Kirk, Kirk, the CEO. Yeah, they're just, just amazing team. Ramley, anything I haven't asked you in this interview, you wish you did? Any final messages you want to leave the audience with? 
Yeah, just a final final thing, and it goes back to what we we've already talked a little bit about. Don't start with product tours. <laughs> That's the first thing. Start from the from the point of view of your user. What does success look like for them? And when I in the book I say there's three types. There's three components of success for them. There's the functional component to success. That means that they're actually doing something like Calendly. Functional success is when you finally book a meeting with a with a whole, with a guest or a prospect. The third, uh, the second component is emotional. Like, what is the emotional feelings that you want your users to feel or avoid feeling as a as a result of your of your product? And for me, when I se- when I send this, I don't want to look like a fo- I want to avoid looking like a unprofessional fool when I said this to my guests who are running multi-million dollar companies, right? I'm sure you relate with that, Sergey. Like, you don't want this thing to fail, right? And you want to, uh, and it goes to the very third part of success, is the social component to success. You know, that that's, when we do stuff, we do, the, we do it in a social context, whether we're doing a report for our boss or whether we're sending out a Calendly link, we want them to see us in a certain way. With Calendly, the, the, the success, the social success, is me looking like a professional, like I know what I'm doing and I'm preparing my guests for that. And I'm sure you, you feel the same way, like you've done yeah. a good job of preparing me for this interview and you come across as a professional and that's what you want your guests to appear because they refer you to other folks. So, I mean, that's my first thing. Figure out what's successful for your user in a functional, emotional and social way. And then once you're there, now you have a destination, like you have a, uh, you know, when you're, we have Google Maps, you know where you're going, right? You, 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 can't, you can't have a route, route when you don't know the, the address you're going to. And this is the address. Like you, if you figure this out, then, then it will be easier. And from my experience, a lot of um, onboarding teams, they, they don't do this hard work. They don't do the interviews. They don't do the, the research to, to, to really figure, figure this out. This is the, the, the 20% of the work that will get you the 80% of the effort. It's when you figure this out, I honestly believe it's you're almost there. <laughs> you really are almost there. Guys, make sure your party doesn't suck. That is the takeaway. <laughs> oh, make sure your door is not <laughs> nailed shut when there's a party in the backyard. <laughs> you have some people who are escorting or like they're like, they're like uh, have a white glove service for all the visitors. And that's a good analogy. I love that. Good drinks too. And uh, right. no masks, hopefully. No mask. Hopefully, that's a good analogy for when the lockdown is over. Hopefully, you're not throwing a party at this very moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Bramley, thank you so much. This was super fun to have you on the show. Thank you, Sergey. I really appreciate your time and just being such a great uh, interviewer. I appreciate it. Thank you. And for you guys listening, this was another episode of Product Innovation Series with Ramley John. We're going to post it on YouTube. We'll link actually product-led growth uh, and all the links to Ramley's upcoming book and the website. You guys can go check it out. I think you can learn a ton about user onboarding. And we'll see you in the next one.